Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Before our friends come from Italy and they're going to tell us about it, I do have just a short encouragement that I want to share with you this morning. Something I think will help us uh, in a tremendous way. And there's really no title because the, the passage will give you a title. And it's just a few verses here in Psalm 23. Most of us have read this. Most of us could quote this. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified. It gets a little wordy, but it pulls some things out that you might not see otherwise. So this is a Psalm of David, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd. So I guess if you're going to put a title on this little miniature sermon today, it would be that the Lord is my shepherd. Notice here David said, The Lord is my shepherd. He is the one who feeds me, and he guides me, and he's a shield to me. I shall not lack. Your translation, or you may be familiar with the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so I want you to notice here, he says, I shall not lack. Let's go ahead to verse 2. Verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside still, notice the wording, restful waters. And maybe you could use a little bit of that in your spirit, a little bit of restful waters. Notice here in verse 3, he says, He refreshes and restores my life. He refreshes and restores my life, my inner self. He leads me in the path of the upright and in right standing with him. Not for my earning it. I can't deserve God's grace, but it's for his name's sake. Notice verse 4. He declares, even though I walk through the deep and sunless valley of death, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil. How many know we live in a world where it's very easy to dread? Dread getting up on Monday to go to work. Dread the things we have to do. Some people dread Thanksgiving time, dread Christmas time because of all that goes into that. Some people dread uh, having to confront things in their marriage. Some people dread moving. We have some new friends from Mississippi. Some people dread having to move and change cities. And, and there's a lot of dread. But as we're following God and His path, He will remove dread from our life. We can actually be excited to get up on a Monday morning. We can actually be excited to go to work. I talked to my brother over here about his job. And, and I said, do you like your job? And he said, yeah, it's okay. And, and he understands sometimes jobs are for seasons. But, but it's learning to be content, learning to let the Lord help us not dread things on Mondays and Tuesdays. And, and, and it's all usually a matter of our perspective. It says, I will dread no evil. I will not fear evil. I can go to a football game in a mass crowd and not be afraid of a mass shooting. And I can f- trust in your protection. It says, for you are with me. Your rod protects me. And your staff guides me. They comfort me. Rod and staff actually refer to the correction and discipline of the Lord. And when God disciplines us and corrects us, it's not to harass us. It's because he loves us. It it brings us comfort. Now notice here in verse 5. It's kind of like with your kids, you know, when you, when you have to discipline your kids. You tell them, now, this is, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. How many know that is not the case? <laughs> I tell my kids, this is actually going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me because I'm going to enjoy this here, you know. <laughs> Obviously, I'm teasing there. But, but notice here, God's discipline is to help us and comfort us and correct us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. My cup overflows. So many Christians live on empty. So many people live on empty. Let alone have any in your cup to 
give to other people. Just had our sweet missionaries over at our house yesterday and, and blessed them with a dinner. And your pastor can make a great steak. I'm telling you what. I'm not tooting my own horn, but toot toot. Was it good? Amen. And I cooked it in the dark, too. Couldn't see anything. Amen. Except when Pastor Rick and Susan come over, and they just want me to take their steak and just wave it over the flame. <laughs> and then it's pretty much done. So what they don't know is I take their steaks out, just take them out of the refrigerator, and just basically get them to room temperature. And then they love them, and then they think they're great. Look at your neighbor and go, ooh, ooh. But I made a cup of coffee, and I put, I put my coffee, I, I was trying to be nice, and, and I brought out the nice coffee mugs, brought out the nice cups, not the ones I normally use. And this coffee mug that we had that's nice was apparently much smaller than the one that I'm used to using. And so my cup was overflowing. And so I took part of my coffee, and then I gave it to her, put half in her cup, and she didn't want a full cup, so forth. And then I took my other cup, and I put it back on the machine, and I ran it again. And they looked at me and said, what are you doing? Are you running it again? I said, I gave half of it away. <laughs> I want a full cup of coffee. And then guess what happened to that cup? It overflowed. And then I had to dump some of that out so I could put cream in it. You know, you got to leave about that much room for cream. Can I have an amen from all the... <laughs> What's happening? My cup was overflowing, and I had enough to give to her. If you're living on empty, if you're living... Where, where you barely got enough gas in the tank. How many of you have ever had low, low gas in your tank and were praying as you went up a hill, oh, dear Jesus? <laughs> Am I the only one that's ever prayed that? God wants your cup overflowing. God wants your cup to overfill so you can be a blessing to others. So this is, this is the principle here in this passage of how we can do that. Number one, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's not, God is not some distant God, some distant creator that I can't love and fellowship with. The Lord is my shepherd. That's why Jesus said in John 10 and verse 11, I think you'll see it on the screen. John 10 and verse 11, Jesus declared, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I believe he said in verse 14, he said, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know me. And another verse says, they hear my voice. The more time that you have with the shepherd, the more he will speak to you and lead you. You, you, can, you can receive Jesus as your Savior, but you make him your shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. David had an intimate walk in a relationship with God. He knew the shepherd would protect from danger, would help find good pasture, would bring him to still waters, would keep him from starving. So Jesus is a personal Savior. He's not some distant cosmic creator or God that we can't know and be close to. The second thing that I love about this, it says, he makes me to lie down. How many of you have ever just had to tell your kids, you need to go lay down? You need to go take a nap. How many of you have ever told your spouse, you need to go lay down and you need to take a nap? So it says, he, he makes me lie down in fresh green pastures. And I love this because this is, this is a place here where we can actually live our life free of worry and free of fear. We can live our life free of dread. I love this here. It says he, he leads me beside still and restful waters. You may be chaotic on the outside. Your life may be chaotic, but on the inside, you can have peace. On the inside, you can have rest. Look at Acts 3.19. This is a powerful scripture. It says, so repent. Look at your neighbor and say, repent. Tell him like a good old school preacher. Say, Repent. If you didn't spit on them, you weren't old school enough, all right? <laughs> repent. Change your mind and purpose. So many people think repenting is just telling God about your sins. I mean, you know, that's not when God finds out about it. 
When you tell him, it's not when he found out about it. He, he actually sees everything. So repent is not just telling God, oh, I'm sorry. I love my kids, but they don't always understand repenting. Uh, just yesterday, Tate, for some reason, just hit Lillian. And Tate is like, he's my three-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old. He's like future linebacker in the making. He, he will come in there, and Lillian will be screaming. He'll have Lillian in a headlock, and he'll be standing on her back, pulling her hair. I mean, he just, he's intense. And so we were sitting in the living room, and he whacked Lillian. He just hit her for no reason. And so we made him, it took about, he was just standing there like this. It took like five minutes for that little turkey to tell her he was sorry. And, and we put him in timeout and did the whole thing and uh, brought him back in. He was sitting there. And then finally he said, I'm sorry. And then he walked away. How many know that wasn't repenting? <laughs> he, he was not repentant. Just saying I'm sorry is not repentance. Repentance is changing your mind, changing your direction. What kind of direction? The direction the good shepherd has for us. Now notice this here that he says in verse 3. And, and he says in uh, Psalm 23, he says, He refreshes and restores my soul. And this is what I want to really leave us with this morning. He leads me down the path of righteousness. So many times we don't know which path to take. So many times we don't have our soul refreshed and restored because we're so busy the cares of life are affecting us in such a tremendous way. But it says he, he restores and refreshes my life. Notice this here. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? He restores and refreshes, then he leads. Meaning, if you are not whole in your relationship with God, if you're not letting the good shepherd lead you and restore you, he can never put you on the right path because you're broken on the inside. You've got to be healed and whole and restored before God can ever lead you on a better path. You've got, how many of you have ever flown in an airplane? How many of you know what an airplane is? Okay. When they, they tell you the craziest thing, Joseph. They say, if the cabin pressure loses oxygen, remain calm. Everybody's going to do that, right? I can't breathe. Everybody's going to sit there very calmly. And they say the oxygen mask will automatically come down. And then they tell you something very odd. They say, put it on yourself first and then help others, then help little children. As a dad, that's very counterintuitive. I want to get it on my kid first. But if I can't breathe, I can't help anybody else. If I'm not healed, whole, and restored, and if I'm not having oxygen flowing, I can't help my children. So I've got to make sure I'm healthy and in a position for God to lead me in His path. Have you ever been at a crossroad in life? I don't know which way to go. I don't know which thing to do. I don't know which way to go here. If you're in a crossroads of life, lean in on the good shepherd, and he will lead you and direct you and guide you. He will restore you. See why we push a relationship with Jesus, not just religion, not just so you can come and put money in an offering plate and things like that. That's good. Thank God for giving. But we lead you in a relationship with Jesus because of this promise to be refreshed and restored. Meaning, meaning if, if your life is broken right now, he's the great restorer. He's the great fixer. He's the great healer. Amen. So I just want to encourage you to, to really lean into the good shepherd who is Jesus. And, and he will just help you in a tremendous way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this little word of encouragement you've given us this morning. Thank you that you are leading us and you're guiding us. You're restoring us. You're refreshing us. And we, we receive everything that you are and everything that you have for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. 
Amen, amen. Let's go ahead and watch a short little video as our missionaries come and take their seats. And let's check out a short little video that's going to introduce you to the Harrisons this morning. Hi, we're the Harrisons. I'm Micah. This is Kelsey. And these are our sons, Gavin and Owen. And we're missionaries to Italy. While in Rome, God began to deepen the burden in our hearts for the refugees of Italy. God gave us a vision of a holistic mission, not just to reach them physically, but to reach them emotionally and most importantly, spiritually. They have left everything, risking their lives to come to Italy to find a better future for themselves. And our heart is to share the love of Christ with them so that they can be redeemed and fulfilled in their life. We don't want to be just a friendly face while we're ministering Sicily. We want to build relationships with these people, get to know their stories and who they are. And we're doing that by building faith communities among the families and people there. We've been called to restore the dreams, redeem the lives, and rebuild the futures of those who have yet to know Christ. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. It means so much to have you partner alongside of us as we minister in Italy. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing in Sicily, you can go and visit our website, harrisonsinitaly.com. Amen. Come on, let's make these guys feel welcome this morning. Absolutely love this family and, and spending time with them, and we're going to kind of get to know them a little bit this morning. They're going to share what they do, and but before that, I'd like to know, because you got such a beautiful family. Did y'all meet their children this morning? They got uh, little Gavin and little Owen. What a beautiful family. I'd like to know how you met such a nice lady. I mean, how did you guys meet? And I mean, did... Oh, man, it goes way back. Okay. Huh? Way back. Well, now we um, are on a time limit here. I, know, I mean... I know. <laughs> Let's see if I can truncate this here. Um, we, uh, I was born and raised in Colorado, um, in northern Colorado, Fort Collins, Loveland area. And um, that's where I met my lovely lady here. Um, she came and moved to Colorado when she was about seven years old, seven or eight. And so we met in youth group. How about that, right? Whoop, whoop. I know. And many, many years later. Um, they were the trouble kids at youth camp. That's what he's trying to tell you. Watch those two. Now, I was on the worship team. Okay. We actually were in a uh, discipleship program uh, together in youth group and everything. So we, so we got to know each other a little bit better. And... Um, so we, we dated, and um, I decided to move out here uh, to Nashville for college. And um, amazingly, God lined up everything so that her family actually moved out to the same area at the exact same time that I started college. Like it was a miracle. stalking Absolutely. you. It's what it Something like, like that. <laughs> no, it was an amazing job opportunity that her family got. And um, so, I mean, that sealed the deal. I knew then, you know, there's no... No, no walking away from this one. So Did you all date in high school? We or? dated all through high school. Yep. Let's see. It's supposed to be. If it's not, y'all right. can share. Okay. Are they on now? Testing. Just, just share. Okay. We were, or I was, I was 15 when we met. So I was going into my freshman year of high school, and we dated all through my high school years. He was a senior when we met, and then I graduated as a junior, uh, actually, so... Yeah, we've been together since 2004, so that's what, 10, 14 years? <laughs> did you have anything to do with your family moving to Nashville? I did you knew, not, You knew actually, he had moved? And, I, mean, I didn't have anything to do, I promise, but I did have plans to move to Nashville because my sister already lives in the area, and I wanted to be closer to her, and so I had plans to move like maybe a year or two later, but... The Lord was like, now's the time. So, And so out. who asked who to marry? How did that happen? Yeah. Oh, hey. Uh, did you paint your belly and say, will you marry me? <laughs> no, it was, um, you know, I asked for their hand, um, 
asked for her hand in marriage, uh, asking the parents first. And um, we did it up at Centennial Park in, in um, Nashville, just, just us two, took her out for a picnic. And, and um, so we were saying, uh, man, we're getting way into this now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're sitting on a park bench. I know this is the love story, right? Sitting on a, sitting on a swing, actually. And um, we're just taking pictures of ourselves. And we take one picture, and like behind us, we see the squirrel running up the tree. And um, then we keep taking some more pictures, and my idea was to sneak the, the ring out and hold it up oh. as we're taking the pictures. So I take a picture, and um, I was hoping it was in the right spot, because I couldn't tell, and she couldn't see. And um, so I was like, hey, take, take, make sure that picture was good. Turn it around and look at it. And so she looked at it, and she saw that the ring was right there in between our faces. And um, so she freaked out a little bit. And, wouldn't answer me for a cut. No, no, she said yes, obviously. So it was good. And then so happily cool. ever after. That's so cool. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the squirrel came up behind you and took the ring, the ring and ran away. The ring, yeah, ran away with the ring, had to chase it. That would have been a good story. I'll add that to it next time. And so uh, you guys grew up in church, and it's so interesting. We meet missionaries who have, have no church background, and God gets a hold of them. And But you all grew up in church and kind of knew about the things of the Lord, which is just awesome. So uh, tell us how you, you got married and in your local church. How did you begin to think about ministry and missions? Was that something you had been seeking independently and then kind of coming together? Kind of share that story with us. Yeah, we, we had both been on missions trips a, a little bit. Just um, I had been to Puerto Vallarta in Mexico um, once when I was in high school. And um, when we first got married, we were able to take a trip to Guatemala. So um, that was our first missions trip as a married couple. Didn't have kids yet. And um, I think God was doing something right then. Um, Kelsey actually said something on that trip that she does not remember saying, but I do. She said, I feel like I could do this uh, forever. Be careful what you say, we, ladies uh, and gentlemen. I, yeah, I feel like I could do this all the time, every day. And meaning missions work. And, and, and that caught me by surprise. That was not in our um, plans whatsoever. So, I mean, we grew up in the church. Ministry was... Um, we were involved in ministry all the time, in, in young adults, in um, children's church. Uh, we led a small group. So we were ministry-minded, but missions was not in our, um, in our viewpoint at all. It just wasn't something that we saw ourselves doing. I, I had a degree in business, and I wanted to uh, climb the corporate ladder and make lots of money and be comfortable, live the American life, right? That's what I wanted, and I thought that's what God wanted for us too, but... Uh, lo and behold, everything kind of changed. <laughs> Who was the first one to bring up, I mean, you did on the trip, but you don't remember, but he says you did. Who was the first one to bring up, wow, I've sensed more of a calling to missions. How did that, how did that conversation start? We were actually sitting in a church service just like this, where missionaries came to speak about what they were doing in Italy. And the Holy Spirit spoke to both of us simultaneously at the same time, though, and said, I want you to go to Italy. And we didn't know that was happening until after the service when we talked in the car. And we both, <laughs> looking back at it, we both questioned, like, okay, Lord, did you really just say that to us? Um, and I knew, for me personally, that I was like, Lord, I need you to confirm it in my husband because I had always wanted to go to Italy. It was a dream of mine. And so I was already biased, of course, to the country. And so walking out of the service, I was like, I, you know, Lord, I... I need you to just tell Micah if that's really you. And he had already done that. He already knew, of course, what I was going to say. And so we got in the car, and 
I didn't want to say too much because I just wanted to kind of feel him out. And so I was like, yeah, I was like, that was an interesting service. And he just immediately immediately started to share that the Lord had spoken to him and said, I want you to go to Italy. Same words and everything. And uh, we were then bawling in the car like, oh, my gosh, what does this mean for our lives? Because it was in, in a second, our lives were completely turned upside down. And just to set that up, um, the week previous to that missionary coming and sharing when we got the word from the Holy Spirit, the week previous, there was another missionary that came. And, and he said a, a phrase that caught us by surprise. He said, don't ask God to use you if you don't expect him to take you up on the offer. Say that and again. That's don't good. ask God to use wow. you if you don't actually expect him to take you up on that offer, wow. right? So, so you know, you got to think about that for a second, but we that hit us like a ton of bricks. We went home and we prayed and we said, God, I don't think we've allowed you to use us how you want. Uh, um, we know there's more to life than this, and we know you have amazing plans for us. So, God, whatever you want us to do, we will do. Wherever you want us to go, we will go. And that was it. Amen. That was the prayer. And, and we were ignorant to what that meant, what God was going to do with that prayer, but we meant it wholeheartedly, and we were going to be obedient in whatever he did. It took seven days for him to answer that prayer. <laughs> and then we're, uh, our lives were changed forever. And so be careful what you pray for, but be obedient. <laughs> we talk about seasons and things change and seasons change. When you get a word from the Lord, it may not be necessarily for tomorrow because there was probably a tremendous time span between you saying yes in my heart to actually getting on the field. So how long did that? Two years. Two years. Two years of preparation. The reason the process in the Assemblies of God is quite frankly so hard and difficult and long is because they really want to weed out those who just kind of have a little desire. You can have a desire for something. You can have a burden for something, but it doesn't mean you have a call. And so their process to get you from point A to point B to point B is is long, and it's challenging. And you probably felt like you wanted to give up and wanted to speed up the process, but it really helps solidify those who have a, a real call. So tell us about Italy. Tell us about they were in Rome. And it's very exciting, some things that, that happened. And now you're shifting your focus to a new area, Sicily. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So I'll share a little bit about Rome, and Kelsey will uh, tell you a little bit what we're doing in Sicily um, and when we get there, what our plans are. So in Rome, we spent two years uh, working in an international church, which was comprised of over 60 different nations around the world, um, people from um, uh, all over the place, uh, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, the Philippines, um, uh, China, Canada, and everywhere in between. Um, it was like a little slice of heaven. Um, people praising God in different languages, um, but all for one person. That, that's Christ. And it was, it was incredible being able to be there and learn and grow and develop in what it means to be a missionary and what it means to um, uh, be a part of the global church. Uh, we had no concept whatsoever of what that really was like. So um, God really took us through a crash course in, in ministry life and in missionary life and what that looks like. So it was a training ground, and he told us that from the beginning, that, that Rome was going to be a training ground for you, kind of trial by fire, um, so that you will be prepared for the next steps ahead. 
And um, so as we were there, we were praying and seeking God. He really put on our hearts a burden for refugee ministry. And so in Rome, we did some refugee ministry. Um, We went to a few centers. There were refugees that attended our church that we discipled and poured our hearts into. Um, Got to hear some amazing stories, um, frightening stories too, um, of things that these people have gone through. And um, God burdened our hearts even more. And and he showed us um, the place in Sicily. We were actually able to visit there um, a couple of times. And he actually showed us the exact place that he wanted us to go to. It was, it was a miracle how that happened. We had two days, I think. of uh, We were only there for two days. And we said, God, you have got to show us where you want us in Sicily. Wow. And so um, there were some missionaries on the island that were doing ministry in different locations. And they just were showing us around. And it came to the last day the last place, and we were saying, God, I still don't have a clue what you want us to do here, um, and you've got to show us where you want us. Otherwise, we're going back to the States, and we don't know what to tell our people. (laughs) And so we were driving to this city. It's called Calcinaceta. It's the second highest point on the island. It's literally a city on top of a hill. And um, as we're driving up the city, you kind of have to go around it, everything started getting brighter. The building started getting highlighted, and the sky became bluer. It was it was supernatural. It really was. And um, and I turned to Kelsey, and basically I just said, "So what do you think?" And she said, "I think this might be it, finally." <laughs> and so we knew at that point God was putting us in a strategic stri- strategic position in that city. Um, it's comprised of mainly Muslim refugees from um, the Middle East and North Africa. So we'll be working specifically with res- Muslim refugees and immigrants in that area. So uh, Kelsey will tell you a little about the center and what we'll be doing there. Yeah, so the Muslim refugees, they come from closed nations. And closed nations means they are places that we cannot go. It's not okay to be a Christian there. You can get arrested to be um, for being a Christian there. So it's very dangerous to go. So they're coming from those nations into Sicily, and, and they typically come from Libya. And Libya and Sicily are actually not that far apart, if you look on the map. And so it's the closest place that they can go um, and get somewhere else. And so Sicily is like a hub. A lot of refugees will come into Sicily, wait to get their documents, which sometimes takes about a couple years, depending on what happens, and then they're allowed to further go up either into Italy or into the rest of Europe. And so um, Italy is not a closed nation as far as religion goes. They, the Catholic Church is there, but they are open to other religions. And so because of that, we can freely share the gospel with people uh, without being limited and restricted like we would in other countries. And so we just believe God is orchestrating a time like none other when he's bringing people in from other nations when who are not reached. They've A lot of these people have never seen a Bible. They've never come in contact with a Christian before. Um, they've never heard the gospel message. So we believe this is just a, a critical moment in history where the Lord is orchestrating for us to be in Sicily, to give them access to the gospel, to share the message of who he is and how he, he can radically tra- transform their lives. So um, we are working with uh, a new organization called Casa de Refugio, which means House of uh, House of Refuge, and uh, we're working together with other um, AGWM missionaries that are already on the ground. They have two locations for um, Casa de Refugio. One is in Maneo, and Maneo has the largest refugee camp in Europe, and the second location is in Caltanissetta, which just opened up right after Easter, I believe. And so. 
Um, we are going to be reaching the Muslim people that are around in that area. Um, some live under the bridges that are there because the camps are too full. So there's people that literally have just made like makeshift homes um, and hang out there. And so uh, our team goes in and they uh, talk to them and just minister and love on them, give them food when they need it and clothing if they need it. Um, the the families that are in the area of the center, um, they have kids. And so uh, one of the needs that they expressed is they want their kids to know English. And so that's pretty easy for us to do because that's our native language. And so our team has already begun English classes for these kids after school. They're in their third round, I believe. Um, and that gives the kids the opportunity to, to get loved on. And they obviously share the message of Jesus Jesus during that time. And then while the parents are waiting, um, our other team members are ministering to them, talking to them, getting to know their stories. Because uh, Muslim women kind of, they don't associate with other men. And so the, it's only the men that they know closely. So it's going to be like their husband or their father or their brother. And so they're not going to be talking to like Micah <laughs> while they're waiting um, for their kids. So it's something that I have the opportunity to do is to, to get to know these women. And I really have a heart for that. So I'm excited to to be a part of that. And then they do clothing distribution quarterly. They do food distribution. Another really cool thing that we'll be doing is handing out SD cards. You wouldn't think that they come with phones, but they come with phones. Um, they don't come with much else, but they have that technology. And the cool thing is that we can give them a micro SD card that's preloaded with uh, the Jesus film, an audio Bible in their native language, um, some music, and, and some other things. And so far, that SD card has been translated into over 39 languages. Um, because these people come from all over. And so it's not like we can just learn one language to speak with them. Um, Arabic is obviously one of the biggest languages, but because there's just so many different dialects, it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint. So that's why there's so many languages. And I think they've given out over 7,500 of those. So, yeah, that's just a little snapshot well, of what we're going to be doing. We have to think outside of the box to reach people. Yeah. You know, we, we pray for these closed countries, but frankly, we can't go there. We can't go in there and just set up, churches and have evangelism they're closed it's illegal to be a christian we don't understand that in america and there these people are coming in and eventually they may go back to their homeland and they may share this with other people of the muslim faith they're giving them a little some people may not know what an sd card is we'll, we'll enlighten those of you who may not know it's a little chip that goes in your phone and they're preloading that little chip that goes in your phone with uh, the jesus film which is a tremendous evangelistic tool and then an audio Bible, yeah. it's just amazing. And what does it cost to do that? What does it cost to produce that and put that in their hands? Uh, less than five bucks. Less than five yeah. bucks. You can make a major difference. Yeah. Five, you know, five dollars, we're like, ah, oh, it's just five bucks. You can put the gospel in someone's language who had never had a Bible, never been exposed to it, for five dollars. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to smuggle like a, a huge Bible into a country, right? Wow. It says Holy Bible on it. Little SD card, you throw it in your phone, nobody know. knows, and that is so easy to share. You could put it on a speaker and share it with a whole family of people. It's something that's incredible, and it's changing the refugee camps because they can go and share the Bible with those in the refugee camps. And it's, it's, it's incredible to see uh, the testimonies that have come out of it, people um, coming, to, coming to our missionaries and asking for these, these materials, these things. And it's, it's awesome. What is Great the fastest growing church in that entire region? I think I know the answer. I think maybe you told me. Which country in, in that area of the world has what would be considered the fastest growing church? Do you know? 
do you do? You, did it, you tell me what it was? I think maybe in the Middle East or yes, or Middle Africa. East, Middle East and Africa. Um, fastest growing country. I church in the country. The church. I'm not sure. You know. I think. Uh, I think. Um, I know the answer. I thought you told me, but I'm not going to say it because I don't want to be wrong. But there's a country in the Middle East that has the fastest growing church in the world, and the gospel is illegal in that church. You cannot stop the power of Jesus from spreading. It's real. It's so awesome. So what they're doing, just to recap, they're, they're going to Sicily now where there's a, a center, like a life center. We might call it a student center, community center. And it's specifically geared for refugees coming in from other countries. So tell us a little bit more about what that's going to look like and some things you've done in Rome to set you up for this journey. Okay, so the Refugee Center um, is actually, a, it was an old abandoned church um, from the National Italian Assemblies of God. It was just sitting there vacant, um, kind of getting run down. And the missionaries that are on the field now that we're teaming up with were approached by the National Assemblies of God in Italy and said, hey, we have a building in this city and it's not being used. Could you use it? It was literally a gift from God saying, here is a building that is free to use. You just fix it up and use it. And so they took it right away, started cleaning it up, painting it. Um, once they opened the doors uh, around Easter time, um, there was actually a, a nun from um, a Catholic church that was walking by, and she came in and she saw what was going on in, in that center, and she was in tears, weeping. Wow. And she came to the, the missionary couple and said, I, I have been praying for something like this to come to our city. And here it is. I, I've been praying for someone to come and do this, and here you are. It, it's just amazing how the city is rallying up around what's going on there. And and like she said, um, yeah, we're having ref, we're having um, English classes, we're having Bible studies, we're having something called Al Masira, which is a specific seven, uh, thirteen part series uh, discipleship program for Muslim people. It's specifically geared towards them and um, how they think in the Muslim culture and things like that, showing them how the prophets throughout the Bible and how Jesus lines up as uh, the Messiah through the Bible, not just a prophet, because they believe in Jesus. They believe in him as a prophet, but not as the Son of God. Um, But it really lays out their beliefs and their foundation and then um, begs begs them to ask the questions that are so important. If Jesus is the Messiah, you know, then how does your life look now? How can you have a relationship with God other than him just being a taskmaster or you being a slave to him? He wants a relationship with you. It's an amazing thing. I'm actually going through it right now before I get to the field to really get a a better understanding of how uh, to reach these people on an individual and relationship basis. So um, we're working hard here to prepare ourselves for um, the field in Rome. Um, we, we did a lot of Muslim outreach um, or a refugee outreach in, in the centers with um, like art programs, things to get them, get their mind off of the troubles that they face every single day. So what does it look like for a refugee that comes yeah. in from these other countries? Tell them about the process to where they can even get a job, and you're doing skill training. You're doing life skills exactly. training in the center. Exactly, yeah. Um, in Rome, we were doing skills training there, too. Uh, people who are coming from these closed nations, they're jumping on a boat, and they are risking their lives to get over to Sicily for some type of hope, some type of freedom in, in their life. Um, when they arrive, they have to fill out papers, 
and they have to seek asylum. This could take up to two years, and in between this time of getting official papers from Italy, they cannot hold an official job at all. Um, not to mention that there are no jobs available anyway in Italy, um, just due to the economy being kind of slow. So they are stuck in this waiting limbo with nothing to do, no one to, um, to support them or help them. And so they're, they're kind of just wandering and, and they're, they're looking for some type of hope. So um, in our community centers, we're giving them sewing classes, yeah. business classes, computer skills classes. Um, we're, awesome. we're planning on doing some, some music classes, teaching them um, some arts, you know, different things like that. Things to, to better their lives so that they have a better chance um, once, they, once they get their papers or, or if they move on to another place. A lot of these migrants, um, they float. They look for opportunity wherever they can find it. So they'll go to another country if they can. But while they're in our, in our grasp, we will reach them and we will touch them with Christ. That's Do they the ever ask why you're doing it? Do you get a chance to say it's because Jesus loves you? And that's awesome. I wanted to add, too, part of the mission of Casa de Refugio is to be a place in a house of refuge, but also um, something that the Lord has really placed on our hearts is to, to do something called a holistic mission, where it's we're not just, uh, yes, the, the spiritual aspect is absolutely important, but we believe that they are a person, they're a whole being, and we want to speak and, and minister to their physical needs, their spiritual needs, their emotional needs, because uh when somebody comes with nothing, they don't have any food, they don't have a house, they don't have anything, they can't hear the message of the gospel until those things are taken care of. That's and right. so we want to be able to take care of those needs or in the best way that we can, first of all. Um, so helping with food as much as possible or, you know, setting them up in a camp or a place, you know, a friend's house or something like that. So, so then we can love on them because if we're just at them with the gospel and we're just saying, you need Jesus, they're, they're not going to be, they're too worried about their basic needs for so we want to we want to have a holistic mission and approach to what we're doing in Sicily. When you touch a need, you can often open the heart. Amen. Well, anything else you want to share? And I want to open it up for questions. Maybe some of you have questions, and we would like to give you a chance to do that. Anything else you want to yeah, share? Yeah, we would love questions. If you have anything, please just raise your hand. And we'll we'll uh, answer whatever you've got okay. going. Any questions? Uh, un po. We, we, know, we know a little bit of Italian. Um, we didn't actually get to go to Italian school in Rome because uh, we were working in an international, international church where we taught and uh, spoke and preached in English. So we worked on our Italian um, as much as we could with our local friends and everything. But uh, going to Sicily, we will go to school and be fluent in Italian because Sicilians do not know much English. So. Apparently, we don't have real Italian restaurants here, apparently. Yeah, it's not really Olive Garden time. doesn't cut it, I guess, apparently. So, What else? Another question? <coughs> Tell them about the food difference, the food prices. This was amazing to me. Uh, the, we have a question, oh, then I'll get to the food. Question. Go for it. What was the biggest culture shock that you had to adjust to? There's so many. <laughs> um, culture shock is a very real thing. I will yeah. say we were very naive in um, going, thinking that, like, oh, we know Italian culture. We'll, we'll be fine. Not. No, it's nothing like what you think. Um, oh, man, I don't need, I'm trying to think of, like, something that would school. be... The school? Oh, yeah. Okay, so, our, so we had Owen in Rome. 
Um, so he's our, he, yeah, he's much smaller in that picture. He's almost two now. Um, but so we had Gavin at the time and public school. So we arrived in May of 2016 and we were there for two years. We planned on putting him in public school thinking it was the same thing. Like here, you know, you arrive and you register your kid whenever. Nope. They register their children one time during the year. And if you miss that time, you aren't getting in. (laughs) So we missed that slot. And so then we had to look at other options and um, the Lord totally just already knew that was going to happen and orchestrated a friend in the church to help us who didn't speak any English. We were just, we had already been, we had been there like three months and we were working with her and she remembered um, a private school that was in the neighborhood we happened to live in. And she was like, my, my kids went to this school. They loved it. It was really great. And we were like, okay. And we sat down and had a meeting with the, the president and uh, a couple other higher up people. Tell them how expensive private school is traditionally there. Uh, it's actually pretty affordable. International, international schools, schools, which are, yeah, the international schools are the ones that are taught in English. And um, a lot of the um, government um, diplomat people from the UN, they send their kids there. It's like more expensive than private schools here. It's so expensive. It's not even, I mean, that wasn't even something we wanted anyways. But um, the cool thing about our meeting, though, was that there was a guy who walked in and was like, oh, hey, um, are you guys wanting a meeting? Like in English. And we, we were like so shocked. Because after a while, you get used to not hearing English. So when somebody speaks English, you're like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, so he, he's like, hey, do you need help? And we were like, yes. And he was like, I'm only here like one day a week. But um, he's like, yeah, I'm a teacher here, and I'll help you guys. Like, So he translated for us in that meeting, which was totally the Lord, because we never, ever saw him again, ever. Of the two years that we went, he, Gavin, our son, went to that school. We never saw him. I was like, it was just divine that the Lord sent him at that exact moment to help us out. Wow. Um, it was really cool. Culture shock. I, I want to answer your question though. <laughs> um, there are like very. There's a lot of facets to things. Um, man, I'm just like, what would be the hardest? I don't think there's like a single hardest thing. I think it's all hard, yeah. to be honest, um, because there's so many cultural differences that you don't think about until you are removed from your own culture um, that make it difficult just all around. Like the transportation there, we took public transportation for a long time and it's not reliable. And so you have to like, and you walk everywhere. So we're walking somewhere, timing like our trips everywhere. And it takes much longer because Rome has over 4 million people and the city is like gigantic. And so coming from like Nashville, Spring Hill is like (laughs) nothing compared to Rome. And so um, that's just very different. Of course, not being able to speak in English is really hard. I mean, you have to quickly try to pick up the language. And we did. Um, Our son, Gavin, he, the school that he went to was an Italian school. They only taught in Italian. So he was much more fluent than we were, of course. Um, uh, Being away from family, that's really difficult. That's probably one of my highest ones. Thank the Lord for technology. Um, Do you have anything to add that you think? Yeah, 
I, I mean, culture shock hits in all sorts of ways. Where you have to get your groceries, you have to, uh, if you want fresh produce, you have to go to the market and get it pretty much daily because the food will spoil in two to three days max. Um, uh, you have to find one grocery store for this item that you like, maybe find another grocery store that carries this item that you like. Div yeah, the convenience is not uh, an option there. There's no such thing as, um, you know, big box stores or get everything you want in one place. So it, there was a lot of um, untangling the American aspects of life and um, saying, you know, worldwide, people live like this. They don't live like Americans do. And um, and so it was, it was some tough lessons learned, um, but it we gained so much respect for, for the way of life, for the quality of life, the quality of food, the quality of time. Um, people don't regard time as money. That's not a concept to the Italians. It, time, time is love. Time is friendship. Time is family. Um, you know, if you spend time with I people... I should start preaching longer then. Hey, amen. Time amen. is friendship. Tell them about driving. When you came home, how you were driving. This is funny because oh they drive kind of crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> hang, <your> <laughs> All right, so, yeah, we, we took public transportation for almost a year. Uh, we were there for two years, so nearly a year we were doing public transportation. Bus to bus to bus. Crazy. Um, she, she was pregnant, and so we, we knew we had to figure out some way of transportation for the baby uh, just to make it a little bit easier. It was amazing how a car got lined up for us, and we were able to take a car. Well, pretty much all cars over there are stick shift or manual transmission, and... Um, I had learned how to drive a manual transmission when I was 15 years old uh, because I had to and my dad made me, but I had an automatic, of course, um, living in America the whole time. So I had to learn again, basically, how to drive a manual transmission on the streets of Rome. Um, the streets of Rome are pretty insane. Yes, it's the city of, what, Seven Hills? I think that's what they call it. Um, just hilly everywhere. Um, so... In a manual transmission, you're stopped on a hill, like on an incline like this. And yeah, you're you're gunning it, trying to get going. I only killed the engine maybe a few, maybe a handful of times before I really got the hang of it. But people are honking. You know, if you don't go right away, you get honking people all over the place. Um, the 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 scooters are like I I, I call them mosquitoes because they would swarm everywhere. If, if you're stopped at a red light, these scooters would come in between the lanes and zigzag all through the traffic to get all the way up to the front where the light is. The scooters are insane. They're crazy. And they're, they're flying by you almost. Uh, I actually had a couple actually hit my, my mirror because they're flying by so fast. So yeah, Rome driving is crazy, but I survived it and I'm a champion. That's probably my greatest achievement of, of being in Rome for a couple of years. And so apparently he came home and was like, Honking at people and throwing his hands up in the air. He will not admit, you guys, but we had some driving issues that we had to tone down when we got home. He's a lot better now. You can't but just beep at everyone. He's very Italian. Well, in Italy, like, they use their horn for everything. It's not like here where it's like, stop it, or like, you know, it's very offensive here, I've realized, like, if you honk at somebody. But in Italy, it's like, move out of the way, or like, hey, I'm right here, or just, it's, it's just, it. yeah, it's very <laughs> common. Like, it's no big deal if you use it. So, yeah, is, we had to, we toned things, some things down, but we're good now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any more questions? Okay. A Catholic charismatic prayer meeting. We, 
we weren't able to uh, visit any meetings um, just because we were involved in our church so much that we were there pretty much all the time. So um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Um, we there were a lot of churches around us in our in our neighborhoods and in our areas. Um, uh, we were one of only like two or three um, evangelical churches in our area. So um, I wish I could answer that. I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> One more, one more question. We want to pray. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. The support from the local church. Yeah, I mean, in in Rome in general. Um, uh, Rome is probably a little bit better than the rest of the country as far as the economy goes, but it's still not very good. Um, ever since the change to the euro, which, I don't know, that was almost a decade ago maybe or, or more from the lira, um, it kind of just plummeted a lot of Europe, but uh, Italy in general plummeted their, um, their economy down. So even Italians who have education, um, if they're young and don't, have a lot of experience, they cannot even find jobs, Italians. So let alone um, immigrants or refugees who have papers, uh, it's almost impossible for them to still find jobs. Uh, there's so many that don't have papers. And literally, you see them sweeping sweeping the streets um, with, a, with a can out, hoping that someone will give them something. Uh, the Italian people are fairly generous in any... Uh, the, the Catholic uh, people as well see generosity as um, a very good thing for them. And so uh, they're so generous, and, and they give and and um, have clothing distribution for them too and everything like that. So it is... Um, it is looked at as a really tough situation for all the refugees. They just can't find work. And so they, they panhandle, they uh, beg, they sweep the rooms. Some of them work at small little um, places like a fruiteria stand or something like that. Whatever they can find to get any kind of money at all to survive, it's hard. I would say, too, um, the support, kind of what you were saying, for the refugees is pretty divided from being on the ground and seeing, I think a lot of people are fine with refugees being there, but then you meet the people that are like, get out of Italy. It just kind of depends on who you speak with. Um, and the kind of the same goes for the government. Uh, Italy had open doors for a long time until very recently, and then we just saw a camp that was close by was totally torn down the other day by the government. Um, the refugee camps that are in Rome aren't like tents and things that you would think of in your head. They're actually abandoned buildings. They put people in buildings. Um, and we, Micah got to go into a couple of those and see it firsthand, but um, there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of Catholic organizations that are on the ground that are helping Helping. Um, the Italian Red Cross is there, so there. It's it kind of depends on you know who you come across, really. But there there is support for it, but there isn't support for it. Just you know, it's it's like politics here in America too. All right, well, let's all stand. We uh, love you guys, and we so appreciate what you're doing. And I want to ask you all to come down here, Meshach, if you'll come and help me, and Joseph and BJ. I want us to pray over them. I want us to bless them. And then we're going to receive an offering. This morning's uh, normal tithe and offerings give you a chance to invest in our church and our community and also to bless these guys in a big way. So, Joseph, come on up. Let's pray. Uh, BJ, uh, Meshach is going to pray and lead us in a prayer. Brothers, if you just pray over them. And let's just stretch your hands this way as a point of faith. And let's, let's ask God to help them in a tremendous way. Heavenly Father, 
we come before you. Thank you for this love and grace that you have poured upon us, the gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you have commissioned us to go out and share your word with those who are not rich with the gospel. Thank you for the uh, Micah family that they step out in faith and go out, share the, wa the word in outside and far country. We know and we understand how hard it is to be away from the family or to be away from where you used to live, oh God. We read from the scriptures, people who went out different places being persecuted because of sharing your word. They step out in faith and believe that God, you are going to be with them. It's our prayer, Lord, this morning, that Lord, you just be with them as they are serving you in Rome. We pray, Heavenly Father, for your praises. We pray for your protection, O oh God. And we pray that, God, you come to the point of their needs, O oh Lord. We pray that, God, you take care for their families, O oh Lord. We pray for the divine connection with this country that they would be able to share your word freely with all people, even these refugees. We know and we believe that if these people come to know you, you are saying in heaven that you rejoice and be glad for these people. We therefore believe and trust you, Lord Jesus, that as they save these people, as they save you in these countries, Lord, many people will come to you, O oh God. For you are saying in your word that your will and desire and purpose is to see all mankind to come to repent us, O oh God. And we pray for them for being vessels and channels of your word. Standing on our behalf in these far countries, O oh Lord. We pray for your protection, O oh Lord. We pray for your blessing, O oh God. We pray for the opening doors of financial support, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Many things are hard to handle or to do. But we pray that God, with your presence and your power, O oh God, they will be able to share your word. We pray, Father, for the giving that the country of America will support them. And we will pray even for us as individual, Father, to take part, supporting them, praying for them, O oh Lord. We pray that, Lord, you reach Rome with your word through them, O oh Lord. We bless your name. We honor your name, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Brothers, anything you want to encourage them with? Okay. Amen. So you guys can be seated real quick. You guys can grab a seat. I want to ask our ushers to come. How many of you would raise your hand and say, we will work together and we will support them on a monthly basis as a church? We, we will do that. We will support them, make a commitment to do that, honor them. So each month when you give your tithe and offering going forward, we will be investing in them and their ministry. And we will have fruit in heaven because of it. Amen. Make your checks out, please, to Emmanuel. Uh, assembly of God, or you can put EAG. If you're going to split up your general tithe and offerings versus missions, please make a note on the check. We have envelopes in the chair. 
please mark on there how much you desire to go to missions and how much you desire to go to normal general tithe and offerings. And let's be generous. How many of you appreciate what they're doing and serving and leaving the comforts of home to reach people for Jesus? What an honor it is. Let me give you just a second. If you didn't come prepared, cash your check. We have online giving. You can text to give. Type in 865-355-0508 and just put missions in there. And it'll send you back a prompt and you can easily fill that out. We have an app and you can also go to our website, emmanuelag.com slash online giving and just put missions. And we'll make sure everything comes in uh, in the next few days. We'll make sure that that's labeled missions. We'll get to you guys. Can we encourage them? Can we give them a hand this morning? Amen. We thank you for your generosity. We will use the money with integrity to invest in the kingdom. Real quick, tonight is our house-to-house, and I do have a sign-up sheet up here. We have another one that's, uh, this one is more, has more blank spaces. So here's what house-to-house is. We're having a, basically a fellowship dinner divided up into two homes. Some of you are coming to my home. Some of you are going to Joseph and Kaylee's home. And it's tonight at 5 o'clock, 5 to 8. So if you can't get there right at 5, no pressure. We probably won't eat till closer to 6-ish. So bring a dish. Uh, it's a Thanksgiving theme. So bring a side dish, something like that. So if you have not signed up for a house-to-house, please come and see me. Come and see Joseph. We want to make sure we have a pretty even number of folks divided up. Even if you're a guest with us today, we would love for you to come and hang out. Come see me afterwards. I'll give you our address. Just don't rob my house next week if we don't know you. Praise the Lord. But we would love you to come and and just be with us. And and this is a way we can fellowship. Sundays are awesome. They're just, you don't have as much time to get to know one another and love each other. So come to our house to house. The Bible says in Acts 20, 20, they met publicly and they met house to house. So we're following the scriptures when we do that. It's going to be a great, great time. See Joseph and Kaylee. See myself. We want to give you an address. TC, you liked that, didn't you? (laughs) Amen. My wife is like, why did you say that? So I'm in trouble now. It's true. It is true. It is true. But anyway, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for coming today. And we will see you tonight at house to house.